the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Kathy and I used to be wonderful Christian grandparents. Everybody told us that. Oh, I wish I'd had grandparents like you guys. We kept saying, man, if we'd known it was going to be this much fun, we would have had them first. We have five grandchildren from 15 down to age nine. Proverbs 17 says, grandchildren are the crown of old people, and they are a blessing. One hour with your grandkids can make you feel young again. After that first hour, you begin to age rapidly. (laughs) Kathy and I continue to be deeply involved in our five grandchildren who all live within 40 minutes of us, but there's been a shift in the last few years, and I want to talk this morning about the vital ministry of grandparents. And most churches we've discovered that we've been traveling doing the seminar at have never in the history of the church heard a sermon on the vital role, the biblical role of grandparents. So if this is the first message here in the history of Morrison Hill, that's fine. Uh, Note to those of you who are sitting there going, well, stink. Why did I even get up and come this morning? I'm not a grandparent. Well, the vast majority of you will be. And I wish we'd heard this stuff before we became grandchildren. Average age, the census shows, for first-time grandparents is 47. Four weeks ago, Kath and I met a woman who became a first-time grandmother at 33. So it's on the horizon for most of you in this room. If you're a grandkid, I want you guys to listen up. Because some of the things I'm going to talk about today, I want you to ask your grandparents to start doing with you and for you. So take good notes, okay? If your parents, invite your parents, the grandparents of your kids, if they're believers, to partner with you in the stuff we're going to be talking about today, about passing on a spiritual legacy to your kids. Ideally, every kid's got six adults feeding in their lives spiritually, mom and dad, maternal grandparents, paternal grandparents, and hardly any grandkids have that full complement of six adults feeding in. Some of you will never be a parent or a grandparent for a variety of reasons, but stay tuned because you're probably someone's favorite aunt or uncle, and this stuff is all transferable to that as well. So none of you have permission to doze off, and if you do, I've got a stick here. I'm going to use a little bit later. Every preacher wishes they had one of those. One of Israel in the Old Testament, one of Israel's uh, best kings for a while was King Hezekiah. Uh, All kinds of stuff in there. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Hezekiah trusted the Lord. He held fast to the Lord. All those descriptions. And it wasn't because of his dad, because his dad, the previous king, was one of the worst kings Israel ever had. The king before that, his grandpa was one of the most godly kings, and he had this incredible influence on Hezekiah. But later, eventually, Grandpa died, and that influence was taken away, and Hezekiah descended into sin, became a pride-filled, ungodly man, stripped the silver and gold from the temple to bribe the surrounding kings not to attack Israel because he didn't trust God to protect Israel. And in the midst of all that sin and disobedience, the prophet Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and tells him that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed by the Babylonians, all the riches hauled away. And then he says this, Isaiah tells King Hezekiah that your descendants, your children and your grandchildren are going to be taken as prisoners to Babylon. They're going to be tortured. The males are going to be made into eunuchs and they will serve as slaves in the palace of the king of Babylon. 
It's what's going to happen to your kids and grandkids. And Hezekiah's response was this. Oh, that's a very good message you have delivered from the Lord. Because he thought, at least there will be peace and security in my lifetime. And how do you get to be that cold and hard-hearted? I don't care what happens to my kids or grandkids as long as everything's going to go for me. I don't know how that happens, but I'm pretty sure that most of us that are here today who are parents and grandparents do not have that attitude. We're deeply concerned about the future of our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and the culture in which they're growing up. Psalm verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 3, a little scripture should come up on the screen here real quick, says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Most of us, especially as some of us at the older age, feel like, what is going on? The, the culture is collapsing. The foundations are being destroyed. Things that used to be unthinkable have now become unquestionable. How did that happen so fast? The foundations are being destroyed. Well, a lot of answers to what the righteous can do. But let's talk about what righteous grandparents can do. And if you're a grandkid, what you can ask your righteous grandparents can do for you. But first, let's establish the biblical role. All right, here's, here's kind of the theme verse for the morning. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. It says, now, first of all, you be taking, watching, making sure that you're walking with the Lord, abiding as we learned at the communion service. Don't forget what you've learned about God, what you have experienced with the Lord. Don't let that slip out of your grasp. You make sure you're walking the talk before you start talking about the walk. And if you're staying faithful and walking with him to the best of your ability through the power of the Holy Spirit, then teach those things to your children. And here's the three little word that rocked my world in 2018 when Kath and I went to the seminar. And to your children's children. When I got my first pair of glasses at age 10, I walked out of the optometrist's office and saw stuff I had never seen before. There were leaves on the trees. I just thought they were big, giant green lumps. Same thing happened in 2018 when Kath and I went to the Grandparenting Matters Seminar. We were considered exceptional grandparents. We went to all their games and their dance competitions. We had them over for sleepovers. We took them on adventurous trips to Chattanooga or Asheville. Kathy quit her job to be a stay-at-home grandma. But even grandparents that don't give a rip about Jesus do all of that. They go to the kids' games. They take them flowers at the dance recitals. People that don't give a rip about Jesus do all of that. And teach these things to your children and to their children. It's not a one and done thing. You raise your kids, slap them on the rear, send them out in the world, dust off your hands, move to Florida and play pickleball. Satisfied to be in snack dispensers and babysitters for the grandkids. That's okay to move to Florida and play pickleball and be snack dispensers and babysitters for the grandkids. But the biblical command is when our kids leave home, we shift our generational focus and we become missionaries for Christ to the cutest mission field in the world. I can do something no missionary can do. I can name everyone that lives on my mission field. Kalana, Caden, Raylan, Cole, and Zane. I know the five people that in this era of my life, I want to woo into the love of Jesus Christ. So how do you do that? Well, let me share just kind of three insights with you today, and, and that'll kind of lay the foundation. All right, the first thing that I'd point out is, 
And those of you who have grandparents, you need to understand this about these grandparents, is that we've had some grand experiences. Psalm 71 says, Since my youth, O God, you've been teaching me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Now that I'm old and gray, don't let me die, O Lord, till I declare your power to the next generation and your might to all those who are to come after. 71 years old. Man, it's been an incredible journey. I'm at the stage where there's more to look at in my rearview mirror than there is through the windshield, right? There's much more behind me than in front of me. And I'm looking back in that rearview mirror and seeing God's fingerprints all over stuff, even the times when I didn't think he was within a thousand miles. Wow, experiences. And he expects us to be good stewards just as we're supposed to steward the time that we're given, the money we're given, we're to be good stewards of the experiences that he has entrusted to us, the wisdom, the knowledge we've gained, this passion for lost souls. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells that parable about the master who gives some money to each of his servants, and then he comes back after a long trip and asks that frightening question. So what I do? What'd you do with what I gave you? You know, if you only earn $25,000 a year for your entire adult working life, in 40 years, 25000 a year, God's going to ask you, so what would you do with the million dollars I gave you? A steward of a million dollars, $25,000 a year. What are you going to do with all those experiences? Did you steward and use those? Philippians 1 says, hey, he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to bring it to completion, and completion may involve this era of our lives for those of us who are grandparents because God's not done with us yet. Somebody once said, in your 20s, you're so concerned about what everybody thinks about you. In your 40s, you reach the point where you don't really care what anybody thinks about you. And in your 60s, you discover that nobody's been thinking about you. (laughs) You begin to think we're kind of being forgotten and shoved into the corners at this stage of our life. But there are some people that are watching you. And they may be people who call you mamma or papa. Don't waste these grand experiences. And because we've had all those grand experiences, secondly, we've got some grand stories to tell. Psalm 78 says, listen, I'm going to open my mouth and tell you some stories. And there'll be stories about what I have experienced in my long journey with the Lord and things I have learned from my family. Stories are an incredibly wonderful way an enjoyable way of passing on a legacy of faith to the generations behind us. Right after Jesus tells a couple of stories in the Gospel of Mark, they were called parables. Mark says this, With many stories like these, Jesus presented his message to the people, fitting the stories to their experiences and maturity level. And he concludes by saying, Jesus was never without a story when he spoke. Joshua at the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Remember that? Just before that battle, Joshua leads the Israelites across the Jordan River on dry land. Forty years earlier, he'd taken their parents and grandparents across the Red Sea on dry land. They're all dead after 40 years, and so they get to experience the same thing. And as they're crossing, Joshua, God tells Joshua, have a member of each of the 12 tribes pick up a big rock, take it across to the promised land, build a little monument there. He says, in the future, when you're walking down by the river and your kids and grandkids say, hey, what's with the pile of rocks? Tell them the stories. Slavery in Egypt, 10 plagues, crossing the Red Sea or the Jordan River on dry land, 
manna, quail, on and on. The stories, the stones will help you remember the stories and the stories will help you remember God and how he has been so intertwined with your life and what a good and faithful and loving deliverer he is. And friends, just like the people of Israel, your story has been caught up and intertwined with the story of God if you've surrendered to him. And just like Jesus had a wonderful knack of embedding spiritual nuggets of truth in his stories, you and I can embed nuggets of truth as we tell them the stories of our journey with God. His creative spirit resides in us through the Holy Spirit. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses encounters God in a burning bush. Remember that? And God gives him a very important and daunting task, just like he's given us the daunting task of passing on spiritual truth to our children, our grandchildren. And just like we're prone to do, start making excuses. Moses is making excuses. Finally, God gets fed up and says, Moses, what's that in your hand? What? My rod? Uh, it's a stick? Just a piece of wood? Uh, nothing. And God says, why don't you throw that down in front of me? And he throws it down in front of God's power. And boom, remember it turns into a snake. And over the next few chapters in the book of Exodus, God tells him, take that rod with you wherever you go. And he sticks it in the Nile and it turns into blood. He holds it over Egypt and hail mingled with fire descends on the Egyptians. It provides a dry path through the Red Sea, produces water from a rock in the wilderness. Interesting point next to 17. Moses is talking to Joshua just before a major battle with the Amalekites. And Moses says, now tomorrow during the battle, Joshua, I'm going to stand on that hill over there and I'm going to hold the rod of God out over the... Wait a minute, did you catch that? Up to that point in the story, it's been the rod of Moses. And now it's the rod of God. And it eventually resides in the Ark of the Covenant next to the Ten Commandments. And if you're like me, you tend to look at your life and think, eh, it's not all that great, especially compared to Moses, Abraham, King David, Paul, Elijah, John the Revelator, Billy Graham, whoever. And God says, so what's that in your hand, David? Well, what? This life? 71 years of existence, survival, (laughs) nothing, not much. 71 years of collecting puny, boring, embarrassing stories. And God says, why don't you throw those down in front of me? And bam, just like the rod of Moses became the rod of God, the stories of David can become the stories of God and how he has enabled and strengthened and companioned me on my journey. That's why we call them God stories, using your stories to arouse your children's and your grandchildren's curiosity about the God that we are head over heels in love with. It's a simple and enjoyable calling, friends. One of the easiest parts of being an intentional, not just a wonderful Christian grandparent, an intentional Christian grandparent. Keep doing all the stuff you're doing. Go to all their games and dance recitals and give them snacks when they're over. But every time you're with them, You look for opportunities to tell them a couple of stories and embed a nugget of God's truth in them because he's taught us so much good stuff and don't waste it. Don't allow any of this. Even the parts of the story that you think are garbage. God says, oh, no, no, no. Don't throw that away. He'll pull that out of the trash can. You save that. When you got arrested in high school, 
there's going to be a point where one of your nieces or nephews or grandkids is going to need to hear that story. You know, when you were pregnant, before you got married, there's a grandkid's going to, at the appropriate time, down the road, somebody's going to need to hear that story. I can do something with that stuff, even the garbage. Friends, there's no message without a mess. There's no testimony without a test. So you fainted on stage during your sixth grade Christmas program and fell in the manger. You got braces in junior high. You rode a stampeding elephant in Thailand. You got arrested in high school. Your parents got divorced when you were in the eighth grade. Your campsite washed away during a flash flood in the Grand Canyon. A handicapped kid stole your heart on a mission trip to Haiti. Your mom died in open heart surgery. Yada, yada. Do you know how many thousands of stories are in this room? And God can use those stories to reveal his goodness and his love. Have you ever told your grandchildren the story of how you came to surrender to the love of Christ? Have you ever told them your conversion story of how you came to him? When someone dies, an entire library burns to the ground. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and throw yourself wholeheartedly into following our amazing God, your life is going to be full of memorable moments. Some of those memorable moments will be delightful. Oh, so wonderful. Some of those memorable moments will be horrific and oh, so painful. But as you tell those stories, good and bad, do those stories just point to you? And Yeah, I toughed it out. Look how I did. Look what... Or do they point through you to the God who's carried you and blessed you with those good things and carried you through those hard things? Friends, don't let your personal library of stories burn to the ground without first sharing many of them with your families and using them to point to Jesus. But we've had all these grand experiences which resulted in tons of grand stories, but I need to remind you, third, we have a grand responsibility. Let me go back to Psalm 78. You'll listen, I'm going to open my mouth and tell you stories. It continues. We will not hide these stories from our children and we'll certainly tell them to our grandchildren. And our stories will highlight the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, the wonderful things he has done. Here it comes. He commanded our ancestors to tell these stories to their children. So the next generation would know this good news, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children and they would put their trust Four generations, put their trust in the Lord and would not, as we sang earlier, would not forget him. You got to run the first leg and then the second, and you run as far as you can or as long as you can till he calls you home. It is our responsibility, friends, parents, youth workers, grandparents, to make the gospel clear to our grandchildren. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make it dear. You may communicate it, and they may not in your lifetime surrender to it, but it's your job to make it clear and let his spirit make it dear. It's a daunting task. I'm aware of that. But, and when you say you ought to be an intentional Christian grandparent, a lot of us go, yes. Uh, <laughs> what do you do? You, we, we pray before a meal when the grandkids come over. What else? Well, we're not like Hezekiah. We're deeply concerned, and we know we've got to do something. And so this, there's a move of God's spirit. That's the only way to describe it. That's just sweeping. We just had a national summit in Jacksonville with 7,000 grandparents. People from eight other countries were there. 
It's moving into South Korea, South Africa, Australia, Greece, Spain. We just did our seminar in the Dominican Republic in August. It's going global. This move of grandparents saying, our grandkids aren't going to church as much as they did. They're not getting a spiritual influence. But there's an army of 30 million Christian grandparents in America. And if we get motivated and trained and given resources. So you've got some resources in your bulletin. That little sheet there. Uh, this legacy coalition is what we're calling the movement. There's no offices or anything. It's just a bunch of grandparents around the globe. But on that little sheet in your bulletin, those four resources at the top, the webinar, the blog, the newsletter, the podcast, those are all free. Just get in on this. The ideas we're getting for what to do with our grandkids when they come over at Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter. Uh, the, the webinar is amazing what's happening on Monday nights. Uh, Sandy Patty and her husband were on just a few weeks ago talking about How do you deal with children, grandchildren that are not walking faithfully with the Lord? It's just amazing the people that are being attracted to that. So there's four resources. And then you go down the bottom of the store and find the books. There's some samples of all that stuff out on the table in the lobby. Better yet, on November 19th, a Saturday, I'm going to come back over. And on Saturday morning from 10 to 12, we're going to spend two hours getting much more intense about this. We're going to talk about, really look at what the Scripture says about the biblical role of grandparents. It's all throughout Scripture. How did I miss it? We're going to talk about some of the barriers you face. You know, sometimes it's geographical. You're here and your grandkids are in California. How can you be a spiritual influence? You can. Sometimes it's more relational. There's a tension between me and my children, and they won't let me see my grandchildren. Sometimes it's spiritual. We hear all the time grandparents being told, you can have the grandkids, but if you talk to them about Jesus, you'll never get them again. We'll talk about those barriers. And then we'll talk about the eight best practices of intentional Christian grandparents. So you'll get more information about that and how to sign up for that. That's on November 19th. So that's, there's some help. We're all struggling. None of us are doing this perfectly well, but we're trying to figure it out. I took little Cole to the Alcatraz Museum in Pigeon Forge, a museum of crime and punishment. I wanted him to see what his life would be like if he didn't listen to me and obey my rules. And at the end of it, there's a room, this big black room, and on the far wall is a buzzer shaped like a diamond. You slap it, and, and you're a jewel thief, and you're in a museum, and you're going to steal that jewel. And they turn off all the lights, and these red laser beams come across the room. It's black except for those. And you've got to go over and under those laser beams and get over and steal the jewel. Well, I'm a big guy, and I kept breaking the laser beams. And when you do, ah, the lights come on. Papa! We'd have to go back and start all over again. So finally, I just quit, stayed back against the wall, let little Ninja Cole do all of his little stuff. He got over. Pow! He's going to be a great jewel thief when he grows up. Had a lot of fun. And Chick-fil-A afterwards, you're just eating a Chick-fil-A and you say, Cole, all of us have broken the laser beams. We've broken the laws, the rules. We had memorized the Ten Commandments that summer. I've broken some of the Ten Commandments, and I know you have. And we just saw a whole museum. If you break, you, you, you do the crime, you do the time. You break the rules, there's a punishment for breaking the rules. And that's why I love Jesus so much, Cole. Because he took my punishment. I'm the one who broke the rules. And he paid the penalty for it. That's what the cross is all about. He paid my penalty. And I just just thought you'd like to know that. That's why I love him. That's what we're talking about. Injecting nuggets of his truth. Every time we're together, hovering in our minds is this idea. 
doesn't make any difference when they, you know, they're giggling during our prayer times. They won't pay attention when they're reading the scriptures. Does any of this matter? Of course it does. Galatians 6 says, don't get tired of doing these good things because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Proverbs 13 says, a good man or woman leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Now, if you want to leave them money for their college fund, fine, but we're talking about an eternal legacy, an eternal inheritance. Take this responsibility seriously. Ask your grandparents to do some of this stuff with you. Ask them to tell you the story of how they became Christians. Invite them to be the people that they need and probably want to be in your life. When Kath and I did the seminar in the Dominican Republic in August, we learned you don't try to speak Spanish. It comes out, take Taco Bell quesadilla chihuahua. You don't try to speak Spanish. You train to speak Spanish. You don't try to be an intentional Christian grandparent. You train. You go to seminars. You read books. You buy resources. You ask other people. You start a grandparenting ministry in your church because we want to do everything we can to prepare ourselves to lift our grandchildren among all the lies and the seductions and temptations of this crumbling world so they can see Jesus clearly. And better yet, discover he's been looking for them long before they were looking for him because the thought of eternity without my grandchildren is too terrible to face. So may our legacy not be Hezekiah who fell away when his grandpa died, but it may be the, may it be the legacy of Joshua. The people not only stayed faithful to God while Joshua was alive, but even after he died... They stayed faithful and remembered all that they had learned about God. Talking about this stuff raises emotions and regrets and guilt, frustration, fears. So if if you want somebody to pray with you during our invitation song in a little bit, just come on up to the front. You know where the places are. People gather to pray with you. On the 19th, we'll talk about one of the intentional practices of grandparents is giving a blessing to your grandchildren. It's been one of the wish I'd been doing this with my children. It's been a blessing with my grandchildren. Let me give that blessing to you before we sing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.